Hello, this is Dr. Tia Barnes, and welcome to the Scholarly Self-Care Podcast, where we will talk all about the SEL, or social-emotional learning, in self-care. This podcast is for educators, parents, and caregivers of children and youth. Each week, we will talk about your well-being to put you in a better space to support the well-being of the children in your life. Ready to get started? Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited. Today, I have a guest who is going to be able to shed some light, I think, on the parent side of things. I know we've uh, lately had a lot of folks coming on talking from the education side. And our guest today is the Brandy Alatar. Brandy Alatar is a family success coach as well as a behavioral consultant, parent educator, volunteer extraordinaire blogger, and a budding author. She loves making connections, reflecting upon life, and sharing it with others, helping people navigate the complexities of parenting, managing a kiddo with special needs, or stepping into their own greatness is where she shines. And she's always seeks the lessons from each and every experience. And she's one who strongly believes in owning your own impact. To this end, she aspires to help others find the joy, meaning, and deep connectedness in their innermost circles with whom they share the most intimate life experiences, their family. Her life's purpose is to love her people fiercely as her children are her legacy to this world. She wears that responsibility like a prideful ribbon. Her secondary purpose is to be a sharer of the wisdom she gleans along the way, providing insight and inspiration to help others up their personal and parenting growth game. Her greatest hope is to be a guiding light for those that are seeking clarity, connection, and community as they find their own personal formula for fulfillment, to help them release the daily chaos and to find their flow. That is such an amazing intro. Welcome to you, Brandy. Oh, thank you, Tia. Goodness, that was so lovely. And thank you. I I so appreciate the opportunity to be here chatting with you today. Thank you so much for joining I cannot wait to get into this conversation for a number of reasons. One is because I feel like we have uh, a connection in terms of the experience of supporting children with special needs. And so I definitely want to get into that. I feel like that's not something that I've dove into too much on this podcast. And we had one other guest that talked about this, but I would love to get your insights on this. And I've also never had on the podcast, someone that focuses on supporting parents and is in the coaching realm. And so very, very excited to get your insights and to talk to you today. Yay. I'm so excited (laughs) to be here. (laughs) So first, I just want to start off with having the um, listeners get to know you a bit more. So we talked about your bio, but I'd love for you to just tell us more about you. Who's Brandy? What are you up to? You can just get into it. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Well, I would say that my most coveted life roles are being a wife and a mama to my three kiddos who are spirited and intense and very busy kids. I would consider myself a hockey mom, a gymnastics mom, and definitely a mama who runs on coffee, dark chocolate, (laughs) and inspirational quotes most of the days. But I truly just love being with my family. They are the epicenter of my life. 
and everything that I do. So they fuel my daily passion and purpose to connect with other parents to help sort of see them through some of the challenges that they've had in the course of their lives. And and I've had a lot of experience doing this. I've worked in the field of, you know, applied behavior analysis for over 20 years, working with kiddos and families who have, you know, learning and social emotional challenges. And I started out really working with very young children and then sort of catapulted into working with adults after I finished up my graduate work. To be quite honest, that wasn't the job that I was seeking for myself. And I thought, you know, many of us have have opportunities come down the pike and you think to yourself, okay, when something better (laughs) comes along, I'm going to jump out of this gig. But honestly, it ended up being probably the most pivotal learning experience of my career because I was able to really see what do families need Mm -hmm. to do for and with their kiddos to get to that, you know, what they would call success or those meaningful outcomes for their adult children, especially when we're talking about kiddos that had some of these special needs. And so it really was so informative to that process and also really sparked my interest in working with families more intimately than just doing like ABA therapy with the kiddos. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of where I got my start. And then things continued to snowball from there. And as my family grew, I appreciated being able to have more flexibility in my life. So I was able to sort of scale back because I've always had the feeling like I love helping families. It is absolutely my passion. But I'm certainly not willing to sacrifice the success of my own family Mm -hmm. (laughs) for any job or for anything else, because I do view the work that we do in our homes as probably the most important work, critical work that we do in our lives. So yeah, that then sort of springboarded me into supporting families in more of a coaching realm, which seemed to be like such a natural fit. And yeah, so I've been loving every ounce of what I've been doing for the past, you know, two decades, but then even more so in the last couple of years. So that is such an interesting story. And I think something that I'm connecting it to just in talking with other guests is that I'm noticing this trend of we start our work with the kiddos, right? So we're, we we go in and we say, we're going to work with the, the kids in some way or other around this idea of social and emotional well-being or, you know, behavior management, whatever it may be. And we eventually move up to the adults in the situation. So I'm wondering like what for you, what did you notice in your position when you were working as a behavior analyst, behavior, behavioral consultant that led you to then decide that you wanted to focus in on more or less the adults and supporting them in that role of supporting their child and that social and emotional well-being in that sense? Yeah, that is an awesome question because it did feel like a very natural evolution for Mm -hmm. me, but there were a couple of key things that were catalysts. I think the first was in working with school districts and having a caseload of some of their neediest kiddos that they couldn't handle. Mm -hmm. um, We started, and this is, gosh, hmm, I want to say 15 years ago, we started to do parent education programs and actually wrote a grant for some of the first parent education programs that were happening in the state of Delaware and some of the larger school districts. 
And so I was tasked with really getting that grant money spent in writing the curriculum and and interfacing with families. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much I was going to absolutely fall in love with that when I was doing it because I was still very fulfilled by the work that I was doing with the children. But what I noticed over the course of the years that we offered this was that we really had to create that bridge for families because it's one thing for a child to be making gains in the school environment. And it's quite another for them to transcend those gains for their lifetime. And you really need that partnership between the family and the school. And so it was a wonderful way to be able to educate parents and not only help project future gains for the children that we were working with, but also help them just be more equipped Mm-hmm. at handling their kiddos at home and recognizing that many of the children that I worked with were exceptionally needy and that the parents were really often at a loss for what they needed to do. Um, and so it seemed to me like the logical response to teach them some of the basic principles and really help them build their own internal capacity. Mm-hmm. So as their kids grew, they could handle the issues of today. You know, maybe we're having tantrums or whatever because we're in kindergarten and first grade and lacking emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. But then you have those skills built to manage what are the next things that are happening as they're teenagers and as they begin to grow. So that was the first impetus. And then the second was just the fact that I had a very spirited and intense firstborn child. He is my extraordinary child. And he gave me a run for my money, like nobody's business. And so knowing that I had this massive skill set, and yet I, as a parent was still struggling with this child on a daily basis, really opened my eyes to what families need to be able to function properly and what tools that we could give them so that they could really feel Like they were operating in a zone of success, but also just being happy and fulfilled and enjoying their time together instead of every single thing feeling like an intense struggle. So those were the two main things. So I love that you first brought that information um, to the forefront and explained like the journey that you went through. And I think it's really interesting how you make those connections both from the career perspective in terms of the work you were doing in schools and with families, but then also from your own experience as a mother and how for you that more or less solidified and helped you like hone in on those skills that you had learned. I think that that is just an incredible way of putting it because I I feel like that I've gone through that similar perspective of things because it's one thing when you're learning it and you're doing it with someone else's child from more or less that I wouldn't say it's fully objective, but yes, in a sense, objective in the sense that you may don't have like that built in history, like you do when it's your own children. And so coming from that perspective, I can definitely see that even when um, looking in your group. So Brandy has a Facebook group online called Purposeful Parenting for Moms with Extraordinary Children. And as you were talking and explaining this, It was like an aha moment for me in thinking about how you present the information in the group and why it's so rich. Like as you're writing these posts and speaking to the moms that are in your group or the parents that are in your group, the information that you're presenting is 
presented in a way where, of course, it's easy to digest, right? So it's not very technical, things like that, but it's also so very much on point. And I just, I love it. And so can you talk a little bit more about some of the work you're doing, both within that group and beyond that? So let's talk a little bit more about the coaching um, side of things and what you're doing there. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you know, you made that connection. And I think just to speak to that really quickly before we get into what I'm doing with the mamas, I definitely feel like what you just said is so on point in terms of being objective with other people's kids (laughs) versus Mm -hmm. your own kids. And that is something that I do work so intimately with mamas on because it is as a professional in the field, it was so much easier for me to be objective, manage my own personal emotions, handle really hard situations with other people's kids. But when it comes to your own kids, you know, yeah, you take it really personally how they're behaving, right? Because it's a reflection on you. And so a lot of what we have to do is manage our own mindset around our children's behavior, around our responsiveness to it as well. And that's something that took me many, many years to learn. To be honest, when I was, you know, pre-marriage, when I was doing, you know, low boss methodology, ABA with very young kids, Mm -hmm. I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I've got this down pat. I am going to be like the best mom. (laughs) on the planet. Cause I know all of these things and I know how to teach and I know how to do this and that. And I was like, yeah, I've got this figured out. And then suddenly I had an extraordinary child and I'm like, I do not have any of this figured out. <laughs> you know, this is my career, but holy smokes, this kid is, you know, just pushing the envelope to the nth degree. And a lot of what was missing for me was that mindset piece. Yes. And that is the piece that is so, so critical because you can't get to the meat of what you need to do, the work that you need to do with your kiddos, whether they're extraordinary or whether they're very typical kiddos. Mm-hmm. It's the same situation until you tackle that mindset piece because skill set is only going to get you so far. Um, yeah. And I am a living proof of that. I had the probably one of the most qualified skill sets out there. And yet I was still really struggling with my own kiddo. So I think that's a lot of it. Parents need to recognize that, you know, you can improve your skill set absolutely, but you also have to equally improve your mindset and change your thinking around the way that you're parenting your child. Yes, Randy. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think in a way that, you know, will release some of the burden that some of the parents are feeling. A lot of times when parents are facing struggles, we tell them to go to this class or to read this book or to do things like that. But the thing that we're not teaching and the thing that we're not necessarily focusing on is that mindset and is more or less related to that social and emotional piece of things. So that emotion regulation that, you know, changing your thought processes, all of that. And that is so key to this. Absolutely. And I have to tell you, like, I have coined the term for myself, like looking backwards 10 years, pretty much I was a pressure parent. Mm. And many of the mamas that come to me are pressure parents too. And it's not something we're choosing, but it really is tied into, you know, these are women that are 
ambitious, who want to be successful in life, in their career, in their families. They might have a tinge of perfectionism, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, which can cause some issues. But it was really, really degrading the relationship that I had with my child because I was so focused on outcomes and responses and behaviors and the way things looked instead Mm -hmm. of the way things felt. And until I made that shift, and that's why I actually call my group Purposeful Parenting, until I made that shift to be more purposeful and really get to the root of what feels good and the right interactions and that mindset piece and sort of weaving in all of the social emotional stuff, until I got there, we were just doing the same thing, different day, Groundhog Day struggles that so many parents are in. And once we really were able to traverse that trench, Mm -hmm. we could get to the other side. And it's so critical. So as a parent, my ears perk up when you talk about this idea of purposeful parenting. And automatically I'm thinking, well, how can I be more purposeful? Like, what are some of the things that I can do? And even as you're describing this mom (laughs) that, you know, would fit into um, the term that you coined, I have some of those characteristics. So, so I speak this um, for them as well. Like, what is purposeful parenting? What would you say to that? And how can they do it? Well, I would definitely say purposeful parenting is not striving for perfection. So, I mean, sometimes it's easiest to say, what is it not? It's not striving for perfection. And you're not going to do things right all the time. But when you're purposeful, when you think about being purposeful, I think about someone who is intentional, right? Someone who is focused on a specific feeling (laughs) that they're generating on the quality of interactions. And also, even when you make mistakes as a parent, how do you make reparations? Mm. Um, You're also focusing on teaching instead of just telling. So instead of telling something to your child about what they need to do or correct or change, you're teaching them how to do it and you're supporting them along that pathway. That to me is purposeful. It's showing up and saying, I'm going to give you the best of who I am today mm-hmm. and I'm going to expect your best. And if and when that's that's not you know aligned, we're going to grow together and we're going to figure it out together. It's being open. It's being active. It's being an active participant. It's being a leader of your family. Those are all things that I would qualify as being a purposeful parent. Love that. I love that. I'm hearing a lot of self-awareness as part of this. Self-awareness, but then also social awareness, having to have that awareness of how you're feeling now and how it is that you want to feel, how it is that you want that other people in your family are feeling, how you want them to feel and what are the actions that you're doing and reflecting and just lots of good stuff there. Hugely. And I feel like too, you know, it's also sometimes asking yourself those hard questions, like, who is this for? Like, why are we struggling? Are we struggling because this is like a pride thing for me? Or Mm -hmm. is this the best thing for my child at this time? And it's being willing to ask those hard questions to yourself and sometimes shift gears based upon it. Yeah. Yeah. So could you talk a little bit about your journey as you moved toward this idea of purposeful parenting and then also the role that self-care played in that. I think that would be interesting to find out more about. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that probably one of the biggest impetuses for me moving from the idea of being a pressure parent to a more purposeful one are two key things. One is a health crisis that I endured, and that was about 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. And that was essentially because of you know, my perfectionistic pressure parenting ways and trying to juggle everything and not, you know, really allowing myself to engage in self-care and not really being as purposeful as I needed to be. And so it all sort of came crashing down, which required a deep level of reflecting on what I really wanted for myself and our family and a shift and a big change. That sort of coupled with the concept of what many people, if they're in the you know developmental disabilities realm, would know as the dignity of risk. Mm-hmm. And that is essentially a concept where you're allowing <laughs> others, you know, to live into their potential, to push the boundaries, um, and and that requires risk yeah. on the part of a ter- caretaker or on the part of a parent. And it's funny because this concept came to me in the most unique way in terms of my spirited child was watching Finding Nemo. I'm sure you've watched the movie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I've watched it. (laughs) He was watching Finding Nemo for maybe the hundredth time because, you know, that was like a time when he would actually sit and not be running about. Yeah. But anyway, if you're familiar with the movie, it was essentially, you know, Marlon was going through the whole ocean, trying to find Nemo and found a friend, Dory, along the way. And they were pretty far in their journey and they had been swallowed up by a whale. And they were about to actually be fully swallowed by the whale. And Marlon said something to Dory like, but I promised I would never let anything happen to him. And Dory in her very ditzy kind of way said, well, that's a funny thing to promise. If you never let anything happen to old Harpo, then nothing is ever <laughs> going to happen to him. Ah. And in that moment, it struck me. I stood up and I was like, that is the dignity of risk. If we never allow anything to happen to our kids, good or bad, nothing is ever going to happen to them. Mm. And up until that point, I was working so hard to control every ounce of this child's environment, every ounce of perception of, you know, external people in our family, all of it. And it actually was making everything crumble. Mm. And I realized then that this was such an important thing that parents needed to be aware of, that we needed to allow our kids to risk stepping into who they are, being their selves not trying to fit them into these neat little boxes or protect them with this like massive bubble wrap. We had to allow these things to happen to shape who they are going to be. And we also had to be willing to risk our own personal pride that sometimes they are going to make decisions, make choices, behave in ways that are divergent from what we want to see or believe but it's a substrate for learning and really stepping into a greater, more deeper connectedness through that shared vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And then even considering the idea of, you know, them doing or behaving in ways that fall outside of what we would 
prefer, even considering why it is that we would prefer that they behave in a certain way and what are we carrying with us in terms of like our stories to put them in particular categories. So like I grew up in a family where it was very like an outward facing, very people pleasing, I should say, in the mm-hmm. sense that you needed to behave when you were outside of the home and you, yep. you know, you don't talk back and you're seen and not heard. Children are seen and not heard and things yep. of that nature. And as you grow up under whatever rules or whatever practices your parents did, it's very easy as a parent, even though you, when you think back on it, you're like, I didn't like this. It's very easy though, as a parent, especially when you're not in that purposeful, you're not looking at things from that purposeful lens to just carry out the same things that happened to you without really considering the why. Why is it that when my child goes out in public, they need to appear to be the perfect child? Why is it that my child can't join in on a conversation if there are adults talking? Like, why is it that I feel this way or I think this? And do I even really feel this way? Or is it something that was taught to me that I just took along without really considering it and without really seeing whether or not it's something that I want for my family and something that is going to serve us as we currently are? So absolutely. Oh my gosh. Amen to that. And that truly is the deep work that I do with my mamas, especially when we're coaching either in a small group and especially in the one-on-one, because it really requires an identity shift. Mm -hmm. And we've got to unpack a lot of those old stories and old behaviors that run on, you know, automaticity and they run on repeat for us. And until we really disrupt that pattern, we cannot do better for our own children. And honestly, as parents, when you first become a parent, that's probably one of the first things you think about all the ways you're going to be different Mm -hmm. (laughs) than your parents, right? I mean, and our parents, most of them are loving and give us so many wonderful things. And we take those things, but we have the opportunity to then morph it and change it and apply it to our own life. But we often think, I'm going to do that differently. I didn't like that as a child. And yet we so easily step back into those patterns unless we create that mindfulness around it. Yes, yes, definitely. So in thinking about this idea of coaching, I've heard of coaches, all types of coaches. I'm curious, like what do you do in terms of coaching? What could somebody expect, I guess, is what I'm curious about. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, so many people have coaches, right? And it is a booming industry. And it just made sense to me that people needed coaching for their families. And it really is very focused in terms of, I like to just work with mamas in particular because I can relate to so many of the experiences more easily. But also, you know, so many people are hungry for knowledge about how they can parent better and, you know, how they can really meet their kids where they are and help them be successful over the long run, Mm -hmm. especially when you have kiddos that are extraordinary, but even for families that don't. So many people are just wanting to refine and fine tune their process. And it makes absolute sense because truly our families are the epicenter of our lives. 
we all know very well if things are not going well at home, they're certainly not going well, you know, at your job or, you know, in your social circles, it impacts everything. And some people are better at compartmentalizing than other people. But the way that you feel and the way that you can rise and really ascend towards your highest potential is critically tied to the way that your family functions. And people want to feel good, right? People want to feel good about their families and people want to see their kids be successful. And we're not just talking about getting straight A's and getting into that college or like I do basically no coaching around that because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not, that is not how most people qualify family success. No. When I ask mamas, actually, when they apply to work with me, one of the critical questions I ask them is, you know, their definition of family success. And I've asked this in my group as well. Yeah. And most people will not say, you know, having certain possessions or accolades to their personal resume or their kids' resumes, they really talk about the critical facets of life like connectedness, joy, ease, shared experience, enjoyment. That's the way that people qualify and measure family success. And so that is so informative around what needs to be addressed when you do coaching. So When I start coaching with folks, we really go along what I call my purposeful parenting pathway, which Mm -hmm. is something I developed out of the years of writing curriculum for school districts and other organizations, but then also put in that whole big mindset piece. And so I walk mamas through that purposeful parenting pathway, which really focuses on the big systems. So we're talking about the mindset. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about family systems and strategies because there are tactical things, right? There are important knowledge pieces that people need to be able to parent effectively, especially working with kiddos with special needs, but just parent effectively, period. You know, we get into things like routines and rhythm and reinforcement and, you know, tons of different strategies and tools. And then we really focus on our family-centered futures planning. And that's a process that I took from my years working in the field of developmental disabilities, because it's important to have a vision towards where you want to go as a family, Yeah, what's critically important to you. So really aligning to those core values and having a purpose as a family and generally a mission, right? That you want to carry out, but you can't do that if you don't plan effectively. So, you know, those are the core tenets to my purposeful parenting pathway. And those are the, sort of the first things that I work on with mamas where they get some pretty serious breakthroughs. That sounds amazing. It really does. I'm curious. It is amazing. I love it. <laughs> I, love, I love doing the work. So I'm curious for those that are listening and that are thinking, wow, this sounds amazing. And I want to get more purposeful in my parenting. First, I would, of course, tell them to reach out to you and I'll put your contact information into our show notes so that they can definitely do that. But if they wanted to get started today, what is the one thing that you would tell parents to do today to start that process? Oh my, that is a wonderful, wonderful question. 
I think the most important thing to do today is sit down with your family and take 10 minutes and it doesn't have to be a formal anything. It can be around the dinner table. It can be around snack anytime and just talk about what are we about? What is this family about? What is important to us? What do we value? Because everything else is a growth process from there. So Mm -hmm. if you can really hone in on what you value as a family, that will inform everything that you do, every decision that you make and the way that you interact and treat one another. So if you needed one thing to do today, you could absolutely get that done in five or 10 minutes and write it down and put it in a place where everybody can see it. And if you have really little ones, you can print out some pictures and put a word on that so that they can connect the you know actual visual to the sight word. But start really focusing on your values because if you don't know what they are, you can't possibly live into them on the daily basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. I'm wondering too, and I think it would be so interesting to do this with my own family because I have little ones just to kind of hear what, what they think, like, what are their thoughts around that? What do they yes. see as the values? I bet you it's eye opening for parents. Absolutely. And they change over time, you know, so it's a process that you need to revisit periodically, but it is really important to just have those conversations. And then your kids also expect to have those conversations, right? So instead mm-hmm. of just going through the daily grind of all the things you're actually really connecting with them deeply and you're showing them that, you know, hey, you're really important to me and this family is really important to me. And what you have to say is super important and valued. Yes, yes. And that's definitely something that, you know, we want our children to be able to hear so that they can move through this world knowing that they are worthy, they are important, their voice matters. Yes, definitely starts at home. So I love that. You suggested that as one of the first things to do and to build from there by taking that collective, in this case, the collective values that the family wants and moving beyond with that. So I love that. I love it. Yeah. That's the epitome of being purposeful, right? Yeah, exactly. You want to, you know, sort of cast that vision for your family. (laughs) Exactly. So I didn't ask you this earlier, but I do want to go back to this idea of social and emotional well-being. How do you define it? So how would you define that? You know, thinking about it from the breadth of the work that I've done with kiddos and families, I think it's really, you know, social and emotional well-being is is when you can really live into realizing your own abilities, Mm. um, being able to manage yourself you know, from a behavioral standpoint, as well as emotional regulation, being able to cope with stress, and also just understanding emotions deeply. So being able to tap into those deeper emotions of like compassion and empathy, the mindfulness, creating that awareness around your behavior. Mm -hmm. And then also just being able to express your emotions appropriately and connect with others in a social way. And it doesn't have to be a large social way. It can be one-on-one connections, but that's still social. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think as you are, as you were explaining that, one of the things that came to mind for me when you were talking about this idea of like deeply knowing your emotions and being able to appropriately express them is 
it brought me to thinking about like my own children. And I used to work uh, at a center. And one of the main things that stuck with me from that time is this idea of you need to name it to tame it. So you have to Mm -hmm. be able to name your emotions to be able to actually tame them. And it just brought me also to thinking about my oldest and how she struggled so much when she was a toddler because she had a language delay. And because she wasn't able to express herself, she had a lot of behavioral problems related Mm -hmm. to it. And just how she's blossomed since she was able to really get her words. Just seeing that difference now, that shift from the behavioral acting out, screaming, hitting, to now just displaying it and and talking through it. It's a world of difference. And so I can definitely see the connection of those two things with that social and Hugely. well-being. Yeah. Hugely. I mean, behavior is communication. And mm. I have worked with so many kiddos and adults who don't have effective mechanisms for communication. And so they are going to use behavior because that's what works. And that's what gets the attention of folks. And when you can fill that gap with helping them have some sort of functional communication, whatever that looks like for them, you often see those, what we would perceive as negative or maladaptive behaviors Mm -hmm. decrease significantly. But even so, even with the communication piece, like you mentioned, that got managed, we still have to understand and be able to maneuver around emotional regulation and self-regulation, right? Even as parents, right? Like we know there are sometimes... We've got um, other things at play. Maybe we're super tired or, you know, what stress happening at work or whatever. And that creates one specific type of pattern that can influence the way that we react to our kiddos versus when we have a perfect night's sleep, right? And and we've exercised and we feel productive and there's (laughs) nothing pressing at our time. You can get completely different reactions. But I do think it's critically important as adults to practice that self-regulation, but also teach our children. Mm -hmm. And there's a program that I love that I've used for years and years and years. It's actually based upon occupational therapy principles, but it's called the alert program for self-regulation. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Um, but it's Williams and Schellenberger way back when gosh, 15 plus years ago, it used to be a book. Now there's a great website and all that kind of stuff. But I used to use it actually initially with adults and it's so intuitive and practical because we all do these types of things to regulate our own emotions. You know, if we know we need to calm down, like I'm sitting here and I want to be relaxed when I'm talking to you. So I have a nice warm cup of tea because that is something that signals to me to relax and just sort of settle in you know, exercise and other things that can be super mood modulating to us. We do these things sometimes without thinking. And sometimes our kiddos need to be prompted and really need to learn the connections between, oh, when I do this, this is how it impacts my behavior. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and help them make those connections and then also regulate those emotional responses and the way that they connect with others in their environment as well. So that's a great resource for, for families. Okay. 
And I'm going to definitely add that to the show notes. I'd never heard of it. The alert is the alert program, correct? It's the alert program for self-regulation and the authors are Williams and Schellenberger, I believe. Okay. Thank you yeah. for that. Thank you for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. amazing. Yeah. We'll definitely link to that. And so I think I had just one additional question for you. And it was just around, what's the one message that you would share with others about social and emotional wellness? If you had to think of just one thing. Goodness. Um, well, I guess I'll go back to the question that I don't think I answered earlier when you asked me to connect what I do for my own self-care. And I think it's just that, especially as mamas, but as parents, uh, we cannot forget about ourselves. And we're actually not doing anybody a grand gesture <laughs> if we are depleting ourselves. We need to make sure that we are taking care of our own bodies, our own mental health, our own emotional well-being, our own social needs as well, so that we can teach our children by example mm-hmm. um, what it looks like to live a healthy lifestyle, but also just be able to show up as the purposeful parent and the person that we actually want to be. We can't push these things under the rug. And that's something that I know so many mamas do. And I was absolutely guilty of doing that too. So create some boundaries and remember that you are absolutely worth it. And you need to put yourself on the list, probably at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in complete agreement with that. <laughs> it took me way too long to learn that lesson. Way uh, too long. I think it's it's the same for, you know, a lot of mamas. I, I, I don't think I've talked to any moms that have said, oh, yeah, I, you know, put myself at the top of the to-do list, you know, after the, my kids were born. And that's just, it's more or less that you have like a crash and burn. And then you realize, oh, this isn't going to work. I need to to move in this direction. And so I'm hoping that with folks like you out there and this podcast that we can encourage those that are newer to the parenting game to not follow in our footsteps of crashing and burning and instead, you know, have them start taking on the self-care and being purposeful about their self-care earlier rather than going through burnout and then having to build themselves back up afterwards. So goodness. Yes. It's always better to be proactive. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So Brandy, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining. Um, Where can our listeners engage with you? So they can absolutely find me on Facebook and you can find my group, which I believe you're going to link here. It's purposeful parenting for mamas with extraordinary kiddos. Yes. You can also find me on my website, which is www.brandylandblossoms.com. Um, and there's some more information about coaching programs and things like that. And actually, when I get this podcast recording, I'll be posting that on there too. There's some other spots that I've done over the course of the last few months, but those are probably the best places to connect with me. Yes. And I'm going to encourage anyone out there that feels like they need that additional support, definitely connect with Brandy, join the group, check out her coaching programs. And yes, I am looking forward to what's to come for you, Brandy. I'm enjoying being in the group and checking out the posts that you put out there. And thank you again for joining. I will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you again, Tia, for having me. It's been such a pleasure. So what did you guys think of that episode? 
I loved that conversation with Brandy. I felt like first and foremost, it was great to be able to have a conversation that focused in on parenting a bit more than we've been doing. I know that a lot of our episodes up to now have been pretty broad in general, sometimes specific to teachers, but sometimes also just broader in terms of educators and parents, but to really hone in and have that conversation around, you know, ways that we can use this idea of social and emotional wellness in our parenting, I think is so key. I also loved that in this episode, Brandy talked a lot about mindset and ways that we can use our mindset to support in the work that we're doing. So Brandy and I come from slightly different worlds in the sense that um, I do have the background that I am familiar with the idea of uh, behavior supports and things of that nature. But the fact that she's a coach, whereas I'm an academic, we may use slightly different language in terms of mindset versus some of those social, emotional skills. But there is still very much a lot of overlap, though the language might be a little different. It's definitely the same. So I loved how Brandy talked about the need for reflection, the need to get in tune with what your values are, um, what the values are for your family, and then to be intentional in your use of the various skills, whether it's specific skill sets and also skills in terms of your emotion regulation, uh, using that self-awareness and reflection and those social skills to really be intentional in your parenting. Uh, So for all those of you who are out there who very much were like me in terms of being that pressure parent and who are interested in just reducing that and getting to a place where you are being very purposeful in your parenting, I definitely encourage you to take some time and to try out some of the things that Brandy talked about. So first and foremost, start out with that family conversation around your values And then definitely check out Brandy's Facebook group and check out her page as well to see if there are possibly any additional resources out there that you'd be interested in using. I also want you to consider as you're listening to this podcast and as you've listened to old episodes and episodes that will be upcoming, just consider how you can use some of those skills that you're learning intentionally to support you in your role as a parent. For those of you that are educators out there that have been listening, again, I feel like all of these are skill sets that we can also use as we're educators. So perhaps you're not going to have a family meeting in the sense of meeting with your immediate family, but you can have a family meeting in your classroom to talk about how do we want to feel when we're in this classroom space. And that was something that I know Chris Cipriano talked about on her episode. And so we can take some of these concepts and we can use it across our different roles, settings, and just use it to help in creating an environment, intentionally creating an environment that is going to be supportive of our own emotional well-being and then also supportive of the children that we're serving and their emotional well-being. All right, guys. So that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please visit drtiabarnes.com for show notes. And while you're there, feel free to leave a note. I'd love to connect. If you like the show, subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends about it. Don't forget to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. Thank you to colettemckenzie.com for providing podcast management services for this show. See you all next week. And as always... 
Take care.